Hey, Honeymooners, you can find ad-free episodes, Moshe's DJ sets, merch discounts, and so much more on our Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash endlesshoneymoon or click the link in the description of this episode. Okay, welcome to the Endless Honeymoon Podcast Secret Dump. The secret dump is upon you. And Natasha... Natasha has a very special guest. She wants to join us. It's Rotten Mouth Cutie. Uh, Our dog's breath is so bad. You can you walk into a room and you're like, wait, what is that? And you just see that she yawned. <laughs> like it, she can smell up an entire like dining room. She's a special dog. Um, you're a special dog too, right? Don't you have a special announcement to make to our listeners? Um, what is that? You have a television program. Oh, yes. Everyone should watch Comedians on Couches on Discovery Plus. Me and Dan Levy, we interview, uh, we basically talk to our comedian friends, people you see on this podcast, people like Chelsea Peretti. Uh, we talk to uh, Ali Wong, and it's really fun, and we make fun of House Hunters. Um, and yeah. I've never been on. I, I know. I started to get kind of... Uncomfortable because we, yeah, we um we decided we didn't want me on. Want you on? That is uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's not there was just a lot of white men on, in in it. The you thing know? about me though is that I'm not I'm not white. I'm 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 Jew I'm Jewish. Okay. A lot of debate about that, but I think you're a white man. All right, fine. Listen, as a white man, I'm asking our listeners to watch this television program because if there's one thing that straight white men in this society do not have enough of, it's economic stability. And your decision to watch this program could House Hunters comedians on be the couches between Natasha unfiltered. getting another season or not. So just watch this. Uh but yes, I'm very excited about that and uh some Yes. Someone just gave us some fan mail. Oh, it's not fan mail, honey. It's actually feedback <laughs> from a, a question we solicited, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago about how to tell our three-year-old about a lot of stuff. Racism, when you when you pop the racism bubble with a, with a toddler, and period. How do you tell a kid? Why, why was I concerned about the Why do you have to tell a toddler about your period? Because she was asking me. That's what we were talking about. She saw a tampon and she's like, what that? <laughs> and I was like, that's something, that's something daddy doesn't even understand. You know, I try not to think about it, is what I said to her. Uh, but uh, so we asked our listeners, can, what's the right time, age, and uh, strategy on how to tell kids about all of the, I don't want to conflate racism to oh, <laughs> periods, periods, good, racism, bad, but difficult to talk about sometimes. So we got some, fa- some feedback. You want to read one? Okay, here's one. Love you guys. I'm currently a middle school teacher and I have experience with kids from two years old to eighth grade. I have found it is much better to give an age setting appropriate answer to questions about puberty, sex, reproductive health, and even race and sexuality. Avoid answering or saying when you get older. That leads to kids looking for answers themselves, which risks them getting exposed to who knows what or frequently asking questions about sensitive topics to get a reaction. That's fair enough. When I was a young man, and condoms first hit the scene. I mean, not that I, not that they were, uh, they didn't exist, but they became a big topic of convo mm-hmm. because of uh, 
that AIDS virus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was the early 80s when I was in like first, second, third grade. So nobody really, t- condoms all of a sudden were everywhere, but the kids didn't really understand them. And the kids, the, like the cool older kids would brag that they, they'd be like, I'm wearing one right now at school <laughs> they'd be like they would pretend they were and i we all believed it because we didn't know that's cute i'm wearing a condom right now so for your specific situation our reader goes on it is something that happens to grown-up ladies to help them have babies that would be something you could say oh it's something that happens to grown-up ladies to help them have babies you don't need to worry about it because it's normal it doesn't hurt you and you'll learn about it as you get older subtly redirect them to something they can't resist like grab them and now dance. here's a cookie <laughs> what if what they can't resist? suddenly grab them and dance so, no yeah yeah like grab them and dance out of the bathroom singing about growing up or ask them if you told them about adopting the pregnant dog something that feels mature but age appropriate and distracting it sounds exhausting well it's weird, too, to be like, it's something that happens to ladies as they get older. Did I ever tell you the story about the dog getting pregnant? There's no. Just feels like. Uh, well, it feels like as your kid. Maybe gets, it's the best thing to do. What do I know? A couple of middle school examples for fun, our uh, writer says. I had the privilege of explaining to two sixth grade boys why they couldn't keep bringing up 69 as the answer to every question. It is a reference to a mature sexual act, and it is not appropriate to reference in class. That's fair. Wait, She's, the kids just kept saying 69. 69. <laughs> What's four plus four? 69. <laughs> that, that was fun. I remember that. Fun days, you mean? <laughs> remember, like, sitting in the back of the class? You, but she's referencing that you that they didn't even know what they were saying. Oh, they, okay. they were just getting a reaction from the word 69 because they knew it was something. Right. But and then she finally had to tell them, listen, that's a mature sexual that's act. That's the most disappointing sexual act. Oh, my act. God. But if she's... She, she had to say to him, <laughs> that's one of the least fun things two people can do. Wait, but then that sucks because... Uh, you got to tell a kid a sexual act. Like well, he, listen, they're going to immediately she, Google it. No, she references. Oh, that's fair. Google has ruined everything. But she says hearing the teacher say sexual act ends the convo pretty quickly. I've also had. So they don't want to talk about it. At that I point. was definitely talking about sexual acts in middle school. In middle school, I had 69 four times. <laughs> and once with the assistant principal. I don't like talking about it. But <laughs> 69ing. I mean, what? It is. Do you, does anyone like it? Hey, that's a question for our listeners as well. Could you write in? Let us know if you enjoy sixty nine. On it, the side, it's okay, but it, you know, it, it on can, the side. Well, so you're not like on top of each other. Oh, you mean it's like Kama Sutra, like you're both on your side. Yeah. Kind of blurping each other out. <laughs> uh huh. I guess it just feels distracting. It's like let me focus on what I'm doing or what's being done to me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Anyway. Um. That, that's interesting to know. I didn't know that about you. You like 69ing on the side. Tip them numbers over. Wait, I'm looking. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've also had to call parents and explain that their child is making what teachers at my school called whale noises, i.e. sex noises, during instruction. The students would have the responsibility to call home and explain themselves if it, ha- if it happens again. I've never had to follow through. The idea is to put the kibosh on the activity. Best Mrs. Teacher in Minnesota. So the kids start going, oh, 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 and they're like, stop making whale noises. 
Yeah, and if, if during you, instruction, and then they call the kids home, and then they never do it again. No, they're say she's saying to the teach to the students, if you keep doing them fuck noises, I'm gonna have call your mom and have you do it over the phone to your mom. That's a good tactic. That is good. It also reminds me of our kid because like every kid I know thinks it's hilarious to say poo poo. Mm-hmm. Like we were with a kid yesterday and they're like, you're Miss Poo Poo. And then today our kid at the teacher was like, poo poo, poo poo. Mm-hmm. And then all her, fr- I, I think that's like, you know, that's like yeah. how, the, how that matures. That's yeah, that's what immature young people do. And then like, it's not what adults do. Like I don't, for example, make a living um, doing basically <laughs> that on stage. Maybe we all just like poo poo jokes. I mean, it's funny. The way you say it, it sounds like you're a Victorian aristocrat. Poo poo. Well, I think it's cute. But All yes, right. I hear you. Um, that sounds... We got more. Sounds like great feedback. We got some more. Let's read some more. I don't know if I can tap dance my child into another room <laughs> the second she brings up anything about a <laughs> okay. tampon. But you, you want me to read? Yeah, you do Natasha it. and Moshe, I have a six-year-old boy and I do not hide my period from him at all. I often will spray it in his face. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read this one. I have a six-year-old boy and I do not hide my period from him him at all. When he was younger and still went to the bathroom with me, he once saw me put on a tampon and said, whoa, that's crazy. It is. He does ask me why I bleed from my private and I simply tell him because big kid girls and adult girls bleed for a little every month because of our bodies. He doesn't really question anything else about it. He's like, yeah, I'm good, mom. <laughs> Let's stop talking about that. As for difficult topics such as racism, death, poverty, and others, children's literature is a wonderful way to introduce your child to these issues in an appropriate way. For example, A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo is a book about two boy bunnies who want to get married and a stink bug who tries to stop them. I think your instincts are spot on, and I do prefer your comedy to Moshe's. She did not write that. It says the earlier the better. I'm looking at it. Uh, What do you think of that, Moshe? Yeah. So even to the toddler say yes i bleed for myself every month i'd be she's like why and then i'd be like i would run out of answers to all the whys well i don't think that there's nothing isn't it easier to say can you go in the other room and then she just doesn't have to see it for like what you could say is uh she says why do you bleed from your private and you say they call it private for a reason motherfucker now get out (laughs) of the bathroom and don't ever talk to me or ask me about that again something like that well, six is like, I guess the kid could understand. All right, here's another. Hi, folks. I have a four-year-old daughter, and I've always done normal period routines around her as she inevitably follows me into the bathroom constantly. Any questions? What's that? Why are you bleeding? Why are you putting that there? Why is there blood in the potty? See, that's I've, what I mean. I've always tried to answer nonchalantly. Nonchalantly. This is my period. Grown-up women get it. It happens once a month. This is a tampon pad cup. It keeps my undies from getting messy. You know, I like all of that except for saying undies. Undies is not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not with you. I'm not. But I like, that's more my style. My Casual. It keeps my chonies from getting messy. <laughs> I always try to tack on, I'm safe and healthy. This is normal when I can. It mostly works and she doesn't seem scared about it. And she gets anxious about a lot of other things. Although for, maybe it's you saying things like undies. Maybe that's one <laughs> of the problems she's having. Although for a while she thought that pubic hair was called your period. So that was awkward to explain at one point, but also funny. That is funny. Mm-hmm. That you think p- pubes are called periods. I just try to be very casual even when I'm cringing inside and so far so good. All right. Okay. I like her style. Okay. So what do I say? Um, Oh, that's my period. Grown up women get it. I'm safe. Don't worry about it, honey. Yeah. There's no business (laughs) like show. This one feels like the same effect, but less energy. I like that. Okay. Okay. Shall we continue? There's two more. 
Hi, I recently asked my mom, how did you hide period stuff all these years? When I learned about periods at school, it was all brand new information. For me, it feels impossible to hide it since my now nine and seven-year-olds are still just barging into the bathroom when I'm there. I guess she was better at enforcing privacy. My kids were about your daughter's age when they asked what it was and looked kind of fearful and shocked. I just tried to stay calm and honest, asking if I, w- if I looked like I was in any pain or if I was hurt. Both of them relaxed when they realized I wasn't injured. They seemed satisfied with this is something that happens to grown-ups and it doesn't hurt and it's private at that age. I think keep it simple and reassuring for little ones. My daughter is the more inquisitive one, seeming like she likes to ask questions to test if they're embarrassing or not. At probably five or six, she asked what the blood was for and why it happened so often. I was actually kind of proud of myself for breaking generational patterns by calmly answering her with the first thing that popped into my head. I said that the blood gathers inside a sack inside the woman's body and fills up like a pillow to be a place for a baby to rest. I mean, it got it started horrifying like a uh, it, like a uh, like a James Cameron film, but it ended actually very adorable. That's an adorable set of imagery. But if there's no baby, then the body knows it doesn't need a pillow, so it lets the blood out the same place where you pee. I asked, waited for her to ask how the baby got there, and she, but she seemed satisfied with this answer, and it hasn't come up again. Neither of them like to use my bathroom, though. I wonder if it's because they're afraid of what other bloody surprise could be lurking. <laughs> they think the period, it's like the little hand inside the pillow. Neither of them like to use my bathroom, though. Oh, sorry, I read that. I never thought that I would be this calm or open talking about it with my children, so I'm pretty proud of that. I also never thought I would be writing into a comedy podcast about it either, and I'm not sure how I should feel about that. Well, I'll tell you how you should feel. You should feel ashamed of yourself for writing this kind of filth and puerile, disgusting imagery to our po- family-friendly podcast. Wait, she really told them that uh, the sa- about the sack? I mean, that's pretty good improv right there. Your body creates a blood pillow that a baby can rest on? I mean, it's kind of cute. But isn't that like slightly confusing? Well, I mean, what is the right answer? My egg, if it doesn't get blasted with nut, will just shed off of my body, turn into a bloody waterfall and plurp out into the toilet? I think she'll learn about her body and her reproductive system in middle school. So for now, you can just say it's healthy. It just happens once I, a month. I'm with, no, I'm, I, I why, why would you want them to have to wait till middle school when it's about to happen to them to, to even mentally prepare for it? To oh, happen? that's true. You can kind of like, yeah, prep. This is about to happen to you. You're about to bleed, girl. Talk no, to you but later. That, that's There's what middle no school's about. Business. <laughs> <laughs> middle school's exciting because like you're waiting to get your period. So is that, that true? Yeah. Have you ever read, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret? I have not read that. No. I, you know, I've never read a novel by a female author. <laughs> I would believe it. <laughs> Why? It's not true. All right. Hi, last one. Hi, Motion Natasha. I just listened to the On the Rag episode, and I want to tell you I, how I explained periods to my daughter. But first, I also want to say I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning, and I think I may be your oldest listener, or at least I'm older than anyone who's written and called. I'm 53, and I don't know why your audience seems almost exclusively so young, because I relate a lot to what you talk about more the stuff from your perspective and then what the callers are going through, those people seem like complete fucking idiots, stupid, infantile, juvenile <laughs> little pieces of shit. She didn't say that. What is wrong with this person? She didn't say that. She okay, let me finish reading much. it. Anyway, I have two daughters who are now 18 and 15, and I remember that I told my older daughter about periods when she was around three and a half, about our daughter's age, okay? I don't really remember telling my younger daughter that, but that's 
how it goes with when you have a bunch of children. Don't rub it in. Um, I decided to tell her because of the exact situation you talked about. I was always having to hide stuff in the bathroom and lock the door when I was changing a tampon. I approached it as something related to biology. She was very interested in the nature, in the natural world, and I was always teaching her things about animals, bodies, etc. So why should this be any different? This was, I believe, before we got into how babies are made, but she already knew about pregnancy. So she said something like, every month a woman's body starts to make a lining inside where a baby grows. And if a baby doesn't start to grow, then it comes out through the vagina. It looks like you're bleeding, but it's not a cut and it doesn't hurt. This is so intense. I don't think I could say this. <laughs> I'm not you're just gonna sure. Say, Wait till middle school, kid. Well, because it just feels like every day then she's going to be asking me if I'm having a baby or if, if I'm cut or... I don't know. It just feels, but yeah, I hear you. I'm not sure I use the word lining. That sounds a little complex and she may have been closer to four. I'm not sure, but I think it's really important to teach kids the correct name for body parts from a young age. That I agree with. And to treat it. Yeah. Like I call like, I always refer to penises. I will say like uh, a dong <laughs> or I'll say like, you know, a fatty. I'll say a fatty. And with a, with a girl's butt, I'll say, I'll refer to it as a, a tick ting, you know, like that. That's cute, honey. Yeah. Okay, so she says, I do remember checking with some of my other mom friends, and I think only one other had told her daughter about this stuff. But it was such a relief to me to not be hiding it from her, and it was not a big deal. P.S. If you read my email, please don't call me a boomer. I am Gen X. Okay, wait, hold on. Um, I think this person's right, but I, I don't know if I can do it. Well, it's, class it's classic boomer logic, like what she was saying. <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing, I was just thinking, like, <laughs> this is how a boomer talks. This is how a boomer talks. This person never uh, watched, what was that movie with Matt Dillon and Ben Stiller? And uh, it's like the Gen X anthem. Oh, that reference would have really nailed I don't it know much. the park. Uh, you know, my mom used to uh, basically force feed us sex ed. Every Tuesday night, she would sit my brother and I down and she would read to us from a book called Boys and Sex. From my earliest memory, it was my mom basically traumatizing me with open-minded sex education. She would read it out loud to you? She would, yeah. Like she would, by a rocking chair, by the fire, kind mm -hmm, of in a rocking chair? Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, the picture I have. Is that really true on Tuesdays? Or are you Tues just being funny? It feels like it's it was a like true a, memory. It was like a, a tradition. A family ritual, yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. And then she would force my brother and I to fuck each other. Moshe. Okay, that part wasn't true. But yeah, no, the whole thing was true. And we hated it. We fucking hated it. So would you guys like be laughing as yes. she's reading like lesbian poetry to you? Yeah, so we tell her to stop. We would be, basically, we wanted to learn from the schoolyard. We were like, we don't want to learn from you. We want to learn from our She was like, you need to learn about sex. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she would read to you like from what? Boys and Sex, it was called. Because she was a single mom too. So, so she was Boys like, and Sex was like a, a textbook almost. Yeah. And she I was a single mom, so I think she felt self-conscious that like she couldn't provide us with that like fatherly whatever. I don't know what fathers do. Um, I didn't really have one. So, I mean, I did, but he was an Orthodox Jew living in Brooklyn. And my stepdad, he was cool, but he never would have done anything like that. He would tell me how aphids reproduce. Why wouldn't he tell you about sex? Because he's like a, you know, nerdy scientist that was like hands off. He wasn't about like teaching us lessons in life at all. He did buy us pet cockroaches, though. That's true. He was a bug doctor. He is a bug doctor. And he brought us home an aquarium full of cockroaches once. And was like, these are your pets. That's, I hate that. Yeah. I, don't I imagine ever you would. do that. I, to our child, you mean? <laughs> no, I don't think I will. Um, Tosh, uh, I think we've learned a lot today. Yeah, I feel like this really helped me. And I'm going to probably do it. All these people 
uh, I, I like thinking about what to do because now I'll just be more conscious and I'll try a few things and see what works for me. Yeah, and it's totally your responsibility and I will not participate in it whatsoever. So it's completely your problem. Shall we listen to a secret? Let's do it. Hi, Natasha Mosh. Um, I just wanted to call in and um, emphasize that there are us easy comer women out there. Um, it is awesome. Um, definitely been had multiple men tell me I'm insatiable and a goddess, but... You know, I both had a few men tell me I'm exhausting um, and hard to please because they don't feel like they're actually pleasing me. What they don't understand is, like, it's, it's almost like a really bad drug addiction. <laughs> um, like, it's raised my, like, tolerance. So, like, bad sex to me now is, like, three orgasms because um, it doesn't quite fulfill my, like, need. Like, I come, but I don't feel satisfied. <laughs> Maybe that provides some clarification on that. Um and so I definitely fake my first few orgasms of not having them because I don't want the guy to think that he can stop. Um, especially guys who don't know me that I am multi-orgasmic yet. Um, and eventually they'll see that because I have more and more, you know, so they think I might have like four or five, but I've, I've actually had like six or eight. Um, and yeah, they get a big head. Um, but you know, whatever. Um, but yeah. Um, I think a lot of it just has to do with knowing your body. I first came in like eighth grade, um, you know, from masturbating and I didn't have sex until I was 20. Um, so, you know, like all those years of masturbating, I really know my body really well. And um, I also get off on sleeping with strangers. So <laughs> I'm not like a lot of my friends have this like annoying infliction that they need to have like emotions for a person in order to come. So the feeling that a lot of us uh, multi orgasmic women you know, enjoy uh, anonymous encounters <laughs> and um, you have to really get into the moment and like are really good at being present in our bodies and just enjoying the sensations and can block out emotions in the world and all that bullshit. And um, yeah, it's pretty great. Not going to lie. But yeah, we fake, we fake not having them. So thanks, B. That was, that was a very sexual person. And a very cocky person. I liked it though. Like she knew she knew her body, and she she liked to have sex, and she liked to have. She knew exactly what turned her on, and she kind of went for it. But she also is. Phys- I think. I thought she was making a case that she had she turned herself into a, a multi orgasmic person. But I actually think, and I don't, I'm saying this based on absolutely no information. I think that it's a physiological gift. I don't think it's about like being open sexually pure, like you figured out the code to, I think it's like certain, not to say that not, uh, that it's not possible to become more orgasmic, but these women who are like, you know, she says every, when she has bad sex, she has three orgasms. That feels like a gift from the gods, right? That feels like, just a, a body gift no I, you're you're mad you don't believe her no no i believe what do you mean what's your problem with her i just thought that she seemed like a communist <laughs> no what do you mean what's my problem with her i didn't have a problem oh because you were like why does she i i believe that th- if she only orgasms three times it's bad sex no what her. i was saying she's was, having like eight what i was saying was she it seemed like she was making a case that the reason she's so orgasmic is that she's not hung up on sex and she figured out what she likes when she was young but i actually would guess that women who are able to have like extremely frequent m- extreme amounts of orgasm is eight extreme i think eight is a lot yeah 
every time is a lot. I yeah. Mean, maybe eight on your greatest night, it would seem more more like it she says like every time it's eight yeah i think that she's been it's a gift that she has it's just she accidentally had it's like being a gymnast it's a cum gymnast <laughs> you can write that one down as the title of tonight's episode um but that is so interesting we discovered a genre of person on this podcast which is the multi-orgasmic woman who fakes not fakes orgasms, fakes not having orgasms so that the man will... Because that is so interesting that even a, a, a woman that is that in touch with her sexuality has to contend with the way that men fuck. Because a man will be like... This is even a giving man. will be like, oh, you came? Great. I can stop working. She's like, no. I want 19. Well, it's inspiring anyway. I certainly felt beneath her. Well, she was cocky. She was like, I have been called goddess. I have been called Amazon. I have been called most sexual, insatiable uh, vic- vixen in the world. I have had those experiences, but I'm not hung up with emotions. I, that is, I do wonder if women that are more uh, multi-orgasmic are down to have casual sex more. She was. I know, but I'm saying it made me think, you know, if you can have an orgasm with every man you meet, maybe you're like, well, I'm going to try to see what, it, what everybody's like. Anyway, God bless you. Um, and uh, Let's hear another. Let's hear another. And I'm going to just hit up our producer and see if I can get some contact info on the last caller. <laughs> Hi, Natasha and Moshe. Um, so this is just a petty secret, but um, my mom is a big reader. She's always been always reading new books, obsessed, um, more so when I was younger. So when I was younger and an evil teenager when she would piss me off or I would just be like enraged by something that happened with her. I, my little petty revenge would be to rip out the last few pages of her books. (laughs) She still doesn't know. I've I've told a few friends, but um, yeah, still doesn't know to this day. And yeah, it gave me a lot of happiness. Thanks. Bye. Is my kid going to do this to me? Some, some version of it, yeah. Why? Because she's going to grow to hate you. Why? Because nobody doesn't. And then she'll grow to love you again. Because that child did the exact thing that would like be really mean. I was like, is she going to like piss on, piss on her? You know, what is she going to do? And then it's like, yeah. She kind of got her where it hurts. <laughs> At the end of a book. Yeah. <laughs> but her mom didn't even know. How did her mom not know? Maybe it's like her books when she rereads them or something that's like two two books in i'd be like i have a fucking saboteur in the house that's that's really sad i i really hope that uh you're nice to your mom i can't i have been looking at our child lately she's three and just like the most adorable innocent thing in the world and going how is this person going to make me infuriated at some point because it's going to happen but I can't picture I I can't picture how I'm going to grow there'll be nights where I'm like I fucking can't stand this person I just can't see it yet but it's going to happen maybe not it will I bet it won't it's never not happened it has never not happened especially someone as charismatic as our kid she's wild she's she's a wild one she likes to hug strangers (laughs) anyway all right let's play another Hi, Moshe and Natasha. Love you both. I'm actually reading Moshe's book right now. 
Um, my secret is that I'm a stomach sleeper, and every night my cat likes to sleep in between my knees, um, which is very sweet. But that's also the time when I let out most of my farts. <laughs> so I'm basically just farting on his head for an hour until I fall asleep. Uh. It's probably not much of a secret um, since he knows about it, but he just can't tell anyone. Poor guy. All right. Bye. This is, again, an example of a secret where the person who's leaving it doesn't know what the actual uh, salacious bit of information is. They think this is a secret about farting on their cat's head when, in fact, it's a revelation that you fart for one hour every night. (laughs) No one does that. There's a gastrointestinal issue that you have. You need to go to a GI doctor. Yeah, you know how every night when you go to bed, you fart for one sustained hour? (laughs) I do feel bad for those animals, though. Do you, when you, like, fart on them? Just, you know, just being an a- an animal. They don't care. They eat straight doo-doo. I know. Well, that's what I mean. Sometimes I get jealous that I'm not, like, a, just sitting on a pillow all day. Mm-hmm. But then I think of how gross their lives are. Oh, but they have fun, don't they? They like to be farted upon for one sustained hour. Natasha, yeah. would you like to do one more secret? Let's do one more, but then I have to go. You got to go. Okay. You always have to go. Well, I just like to go. Are you seeing someone? You are. The pool guy. (laughs) Caesar? Mm -hmm. You're seeing Caesar? Okay. I mean, he's a nice guy. I like him. We don't have a pool, really. (laughs) Or do we? You'll never know what our lives are like. Hi. So here's my secret. So... This was like um, a couple years ago. No, this was probably like five years ago or something. So I was dating this guy. He was really weird. Um, I was way out of his league. So I found out by looking through his phone that he was cheating on me. Um, and so instead of breaking up, like he had Tinder, he had a, all these things. He was doing a lot of cheating things. But So instead of breaking up with him, I made a Tinder and I... So I threw every single person made like, um, oh, and this Tinder was of an, an old lady, a very old lady, by the way. So um, I swiped, I matched with him, and I um, catfished him until he, I told him that I would meet up with him an hour from his house in this parking lot at like 6 in the morning. And so he drove all the way down an hour away at 6 in the morning just to sit in an empty parking lot and didn't break up with him after that still, you know, just kind of liked having the power over him for the fact that he just sat in an empty parking lot alone waiting for this old lady to meet up with him. But nobody ever came. Thank you. Bye. So she kind of like pranked him. She pranked him, but the part where I lost it for her was when she was like, and then I stayed with him. But I I got him (laughs) because in the end I had the power because... He'd been sustained cheating on me the entire relationship, and he was much uglier than I was, and I was definitely out of his league. But I won the exchange because he waited in a parking lot for one hour. It also seemed like if he waited in a parking lot for one hour for some fake account, he's probably some kind of sex addict, right? He's just well, meeting anybody uh, in a parking lot. You say sex addict? You I, you would meet? You think it's normal to meet someone for sex in a parking lot? Hundred percent. 
100%. Okay. If somebody on Tinder was like, you come to this parking lot, 6 a.m., and I'll give you that morning pussy, I would be like, I would be up at 4.30, having some coffee, brushing my teeth, ready to go. And you just do it in the car and leave? Yeah, sounds hot. And then you have a whole day out of you. Okay. Laura, would you do that? <laughs> Laura's not a man. You say sex addict, I say man. Potato, potato. Okay, you're right. I uh, guess I guess I'm just like... I just, I would feel very unsafe doing that. Yeah, you're not a man. Why wouldn't a man feel unsafe doing that? Because there's not a lot of, uh, unless it was, listen, here's how the man feels unsafe. The only way a man ever feels unsafe during a sex situation like that, where the Tinder profile is like, meet me at this parking lot at 6 a.m., is when they get to the parking lot, it's a man. And the man's like, hi, I'm actually here to kill you. You're not really ever worried unless it's once in a while maybe the wo- it is a woman and she's like hey i brought a man and he's gonna kill you you're never really worried that you're gonna get sliced up although i've had a couple of partners in my life where i was like i don't think i want to spend the night because this person seems like the kind of person that could like knife me in my sleep right i usually just find someone i like who i think is trustworthy and stay with them for a year and a half or something yeah i know there's a word for that it's called being a square <laughs> Take a walk on the wild side. I'm not built to like fucking random um, parking lots. Well, maybe if you were a little... Meet me at the Westlake Mall (laughs) parking lot (laughs) by the Target and the Chuck E. Cheese. And uh, maybe we could 69 and... uh, On our sides. On our sides. What, like I'd put the... What would I do with the baby seat? The the baby seat would be a big turnoff for him. (laughs) He'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) You got problems, lady? That's what he'd say. You got problems? I just want a 69 and then get out of here. <laughs> but he'd still do it, by the Wait, way. Wait, so that's that's not a money exchange. That's just like people hooking mm-hmm. up. That's a honey exchange. I see. Yeah, hell yeah. So dating apps, that that's like, how can you tell the difference? If what if, if, you're not, if you're someone like me and you're not into that, mm-hmm. how do you go on the, the dating apps and specify that? Um, not interested in any parking lot hookups? No. <laughs> what do women say? Don't they always say like a not interested in anything casual? I see. I'm looking for a, a, a partner. Parking lot. You just ups. other things that turn men off. You know, just say stuff like that. And I mean, I think like there's some hot. I can imagine some hot encounters, but not in the parking lot in a car. I hear you, and the, that maybe is, in a car with your lover somewhere. That is how foolishly horny men are. That I the, hear you. the prospect of getting some is so tantalizing that you're willing to overlook the detail, like. Why would a, any woman on earth be like, meet me in a parking lot at 6 a.m. and we can fuck? <laughs> he never thought this is fake. He was just like, do, 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 time to go. So, get this some. is more like what gay men do. You want to hear a sad story? Is, uh, I might have told this on the podcast before, but uh, once when I was like, I don't know, 19 or something, I'd like matched, I t- was talking with somebody on Craigslist, casual encounters, and this woman or whoever I was talking to was like, I'm at the Hotel Nico in San Francisco. Meet me in the lobby and bring a can of, of whipped cream. And I was like, oh yeah. I was like so horny. I took Bart out there and I stopped at the liquor store and I bought this like whipped cream can and I was like sitting in the lobby of the fancy Hotel Nico for like, when I was supposed to meet her and then like 10 minutes, half hour, hour. And then finally it like occurred to me that I was, that I had nothing was going to happen. And I just had to like walk out into the streets of San Francisco and like throw this brown paper bag of whipped cream into, into the garbage can and take Bart home. It's really depressing and sad. I hear you. You probably should have stopped and gotten some donuts. Maybe I probably did after that. 
Um, speaking of donuts, I'm going to go eat one right now. It's time for us to wrap this bad boy up. If you want to leave a secret, call 213-222-8608. Or send us uh, a question if you have or you want to talk to us at endlesshoneymoonpod at gmail. And find us on Instagram. Endless Honeymoon Pod at Endless Honeymoon Pod. Like us. Like us on Apple Podcasts, apple.co forward slash Endless Honeymoon. But I really do like listening to podcasts on YouTube, and I'm glad that we're on. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash Endless Honeymoon. I love my listeners. I love the women's menstrual cycles. I love (laughs) multi-orgasmic women. I love casual sex. And uh, most of all, I love you. I love you too. 